Um, okay. We're back with the first week of Knicks basketball. I'm joined by my good friends, Big Baby David and Tom Piccolo. I think we've got a good one here for you guys, but we'll see. Let's talk Knicks. All right. First week of Knicks basketball. How are you guys feeling? We'll start with you, Tom. How are you feeling about the Knicks? I don't, I don't know if we need to get into the hey, how are you? It's just because it's already 10 p.m. at night. But I guess you could tell me how you're feeling. Well, it's a good call to say we are recording this as the Knicks-Bucks game wraps up. And, you know, the result of this game has completely warped all of our takes. We were just saying before we started recording, like we all had stuff we wanted to say. And, uh, you know, after the first two games, which kind of didn't go our way, but this this game tonight was, uh, was a total reversal. So uh, I don't know. I'm a little, I'm kind of just on my toes here, ready to go with the flow. Um, outside of Knicks basketball, I'm doing fine. Like, you know, we, we just did the whole Christmas thing, the whole holidays thing. Um, and saw a little family, you know, less than usual, but still got to see some family. So that was nice. No complaints over here. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this has been a very shocking Sunday evening in Knicks basketball. So I'm excited to get into it with you guys. Yeah, I've yeah. got and I've I, got all I, the I, same things to say. Basically, uh, the Sunday game has come as a bit of a surprise, and we'll get into the details of that as we go. Other than that, doing well, holiday stuff couple days off work just glad the Knicks are back and, and actually playing in it's real games yeah it's good to watch these guys I didn't think we were going to get a chance to watch Brasdikis fight the Nasus at Tentacumbo today but we've, we're, <laughs> we we're getting lucky yeah and like Tom said the first couple games were very different from this third game I know B- BBD had a few takes that we're going to get a can we're going to get him canceled about the first two games, but fortunately those are all stale now. So I'll hop into it. The Knicks opened the season losing 107-121 to the Indiana Pacers. We uh, started out pretty hot, went into halftime with a five-point lead, and then everything fell apart uh, very quickly. They scored 16 points in the third quarter, got outscored by 11. And from that point, it it wasn't much of a basketball game. All hope was lost. Uh, Nick's starting lineup was Julius Randle, Reggie Bullock, Mitchell Robinson, Alfred Payton, R.J. Barrett. I think we were mildly okay with that. We didn't know who was going to start at point guard. We we saw quickly in the preseason doing his thing. We were I think we were maybe ready to to just throw him in the into the fire, but. Obviously, we understood why that didn't happen. But, I mean, what, what did you guys see in this first game that you liked? I mean, quickly came off the bench, and he was he was good until he got injured. But there was there was there there were good things to see in the first half if we just focus on that. Tom, what did, what did you see? What did you think? I mean, the, the story of the game, no question, was R.J. Barrett, who just came out, like, guns blazing here. He was He finished with 26 points. Eight boards, five assists, one turnover. He was 11 of 15 from the field, and he started the game nine for nine. He hit all three of his threes. 
mm-hmm. and he just looked like a completely different player than last year. He was just totally in control of the offense. He looked so comfortable, like the game had slowed down for him. It was a super impressive performance, which kind of made it jarring to see what he did in the second game. But, uh, you know, there were some, a couple of bright spots in that performance too. We'll get to it eventually. But you, you really can't, you know, talk too much about this Pacers game without getting into what Barrett did because it was, it was really encouraging to see. Yeah, yeah RJ, like you, you mentioned he he was the perfect microcosm of what the Knicks did in the first first game. 20 points in the first half, 9 for 9, for nine shooting at one point, and then he ended up with 26. So that's that's that shows you how off the off the hills the the team went in that second half. BBD, what are you thinking over there? Yeah, just what we've said, uh, RJ is the story of this game. He's he was the single biggest bright spot. You would have liked for the second half to be a, a little more, have a little more to it, but it, it was all fine. And he finished, like you said, 11-15, hit all three threes, everything you could have wanted from him. So that's cool. There were other bright spots from the game. I mean, most notably, Emmanuel quickly just felt really good when he was in the game. Of course, he got hurt and missed. He didn't get any minutes in the second half, right? Uh, and hasn't played since So yeah. that. That's kind of the other like story from the game, but let's go back to a positive. Julius Randle like played like a like good team basketball, seventeen points, and like every shot he took was like the right shot to take. He didn't really force anything this game, and he he racked up nine assists, um, five turnovers, but whatever. Uh, but nine assists and nine boards, so he was kind of the other at least stat line like standout uh, player from the game. But, well, yeah, and Alec and Burks is good. But we got plenty of Alec Burks throughout all three games to discuss. Yeah. That was nice for him to do well. The The most consistent player on our team seems to have been Burks. But, I mean, we could talk about any of these guys. Julius Randle has looked like a completely different player. I know you mentioned the five turnovers, but you didn't even notice those based on what he was he was doing. Usually the turnovers are the focal point, but this game, I think he had five assists in the first quarter. So yeah, usually for him, for the, the like the whatever the number of turnovers is says more about his game than the assist number, if that makes sense. In this game, that wasn't really the case. the The assist numbers. It was a lot louder watching it than the turnover number. And Greg, you mentioned the early assists. Like yeah, he, he really just did. Looks good. He really did set the tone that way, right? Like the I feel like a lot of his points came in the fourth quarter when the game was kind of decided. So he did get up to that seventeen point figure, but for the most part, he was the distributor on the team, and and that says a few things about the team, right? One of those being that the point guard play was a huge problem through the first two games. Alfred Payton was was just had a really rough game in the in the season opener he had three assists to his five turnovers um just seven points and um you know he just he wasn't aggressive he wasn't looking all that good that's why it was so encouraging when quickly came in and um and and as bbd mentioned he had that hit pointer which took him out for the rest of the game so that left with uh thibodeau in in a position where he had to even sometimes go without a point guard he was running Burks and Barrett out as kind of the po the co point guards by committee and uh and you know we are wondering whether DSJ would get minutes he got a DNP coach's decision Frank got just five minutes in this game and, and didn't look particularly strong he didn't necessarily 
you know, pop off the screen in those in those five minutes he played. So it, it really kind of set the table for game two and, and what ended up happening with the with the point guard minutes there as well. Yeah, and we're I'm looking at this box score. There's there's tons to talk about, and I think we'll get into the the point guard situation in a minute as we move on to that second game. But in this first game, the one thing I want to talk about is Obi Toppin, just because he only played in the first game. So Obi Toppin played 24 minutes off the bench, three for 12 from the field, including three for seven from three, nine points, three rebounds, one assist, two blocks. Um, I mean. The stat line isn't that great. Uh, I think the watching it on the court might have been even even more discouraging just because I know Tom had predicted this prior in, in the preseason pod, but the way that he was used, it, he just didn't seem to be put in the position to succeed that he needs to be in. Um, he was basically being just a, a spot-up three-point shooter. Um, like I said, he shot seven threes. That was the most on the – or that was second most on the team after Reggie Bullock. And those threes just did not look good. I know he made three, but one of those that he made was a bank, and the other two looked good. But the uh, the, the misses were were never going in at any point. Um, so, Tom, you're, you've been worried about Toppin's role more than the rest of us because you're Nostradamus. So, so what are you thinking over there? I mean, I think it's so. Like you did mention, the the three for seven number. You'd look at that off the bat and be like, "Oh, he actually shot the ball pretty well." You also mentioned the bank shot. So if this were two for seven, it's funny how kind of one shot swings the whole way you view something. But in general, it just it it just wasn't what you wanted to see. The o from o for five from two also wasn't great. But you know, when Toppin's in the game he's being paired with Mitchell Robinson or more often than not Julius Randle. And those guys occupy the same part of the floor where Toppin wants to be. So like, I understand that for Toppin to be like the best player he possibly can be, he has to be able to hit that three point shot with some consistency and be a threat out there. But to be used primarily and almost exclusively as a pick and pop big we all saw his college highlights. Like we know what he can do. We know he's an above the rim player. Um, it just—it's kind of confounding to see him used that way, and it—it it has a lot to do with the with the roster configuration. And there's just not a whole lot, unless you want Toppin as your only traditional big out there as your center, which comes with its own issues as he can't really protect the rim. You know, it's going to be really hard to fit him into an offense unless he's playing with a stretch five, like you know, like a going back away is Luke Cornett type or even, uh, you know, yeah. you know, it's just hard to find the, the right type. Christoph Porzingis, I guess. But, like, it's hard to find the right type of player that Toppin would actually fit with. But I do know that, like, Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle aren't it. Well, the Knicks could never have a guy like Christoph Porzingis on the team, <laughs> so I really wouldn't worry about it. Uh, yeah, it is, it is tough because – in theory, Obi should be like the number one guy we're watching. He's the fresh top 10 pick and everything we heard about. It's just confusing more than anything else, I guess, because everything out of college was that like, yeah, maybe he'll hit some open threes and stuff, but he's going to be like doing dunks, like get some blocks and stuff, but the defense won't be there. He's going to be driving to the rim and stuff. And he's, 
in the preseason, it felt like he was, it was on purpose. Like we're gonna get you to take a bunch of threes. It's like, all right, preseason. He was just trying to take a bunch of threes. And we kind of just did that in the first game. Also, <laughs> it's like, okay, I guess that's just how we plan to use him now. It's it, so it's, it's bizarre. And hopefully of course now he's going to be out for, for another week or two. Um, Hopefully, the more he plays, the more we get to see him do other stuff. But and we should say is with a strained it, it calf, right? Yeah, it's a calf strain. It, the report was he'd be reevaluated seven to ten days from yesterday, as we we're recording this. So from Saturday, so he's at another week or so until he's reevaluated. And I think Tibbs had a quote today saying, even after he's like cleared, they'll probably sit him another couple of games because he has to get like his conditioning back or something. I don't know. So it'll be out. A, it'll be out longer than we'd like. That's a bummer. You know, he's yeah. definitely one of the guys yeah, we want to I mean, see. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not ready to throw up the red flags yet about about his performance. I mean, bummed about the injury, but it's just one game. I know BBD mentioned he was shooting threes in the preseason, and then he started doing it again in the regular season, but. I, I think he'll find a role. He, I mean, he obviously has to since we invested in him, the number eight pick. It, it just is interesting that if we were looking for a person to fill that role, we could have just picked a, a Devin Vassell or, or an Aaron Neesmith, though they're not big men. But if, if you needed a, a corner jump, jump shooter, those seem like the type of guys. And um, no. I just want to mention there are guys that, rumored to go to the Knicks and available at that spot doing that. Yeah. You would think are more than capable of doing the role. It feels like they're asking Toppin to do right now. So just weird. Yeah, and I, I, interrupted yeah, I just wanted to, no, no problem. I just wanted to mention um, that it kind of reminds me of the guy on the other team's rookie season, DeMontis Sabonis during his rookie year with the Thunder. They were using him as as pretty much a, a spot-up three-point shooter. And when he got traded for Victor Oladipo, he, we realized that he was actually just a, an all-star center with an interior post game, which was pretty funny considering how he was used originally. But, I mean, Toppin's a little shorter than him. I don't think he has the post moves, but I think we're going to be seeing Toppin cutting around and, and uh, becoming an energy guy. So yeah, man, that's you, my, our thoughts on top. And you mentioned can, Sabonis, like he was just an absolute monster and he tends to be like, I feel like every time we watch him against the Knicks, he's just a total beast. And he, he finished this game with 32 points, 13 boards, five assists. And he was 11 of 18 from the field. He hit two of four of his threes. He got to line 12 times, hit eight of them. Like he was the best player on the floor for a lot of this game. And I guess part of the issue was you have to look at the defense of the Knicks why you you would hope that someone like Mitchell Robinson or Julius Randle would be able to contain him a little better than that. Um, more so Robinson, I guess, among those two. But, you know, no one was really able to. I, I think I saw the matchup numbers and Sabonis scored most of his points on Mitch, um, who who we should talk about. You know, he's someone that, that a lot of people consider to be the best player on the Knicks. And he only had 21 minutes in this game. He finished with three points, six boards, no assists, no steals. A few blocks, though, three blocks. Um, and, and just three personal fouls. So it wasn't necessarily the fouls keeping him off the floor, though I believe he did rack those up kind of quickly. Yeah, um, I think all three of those were, were pretty quick. Yeah, those like those were early time, on. So. But even so, like you get six of them. Yeah, and, Mitch. And, yeah. 
Go ahead, Greg. Mitch and Nerlens both had three fouls in the first quarter. So, Mitch yeah. and Nerlens had. So, I mean, moving on to the next game, the 76er game was, was more of the same. Um, Nick started out pretty well. 27-27 after one. Um, losing by five at halftime against this Sixer team that is just clearly better than us. But again, the wheels come off in the third quarter. Fourteen points, which is even worse than the sixteen points we put up in the the uh third quarter against the Pacers. Ended up losing the game by twenty, one oh nine eighty nine. Um couple again, the bright spots are similar to the last game. Julius Randall, um, just shows that he's a completely different person, seemingly. Has 25 points on 11 for 15 shooting. Um, and then our, our savior off the bench, Alec Burks, our marquee signing from the offseason, had 22 points off the bench um, for the second time in a row. So we've got our, our, our sixth man of the year and our MVP going strong. Um, then in that game, another one of the big storylines was quickly was out, so who was going to be the first guard off the bench? And Dennis Smith Jr. ended up being that guy with Frank Nielakina only playing two minutes in, in garbage time. And so this is where the, the the guard rotation came into play because Alfred Payton and DSJ as the point guard combo was was one of the more painful things um, to watch. Alfred Payton was 0 for 6 from the field, zero points, one assist in 18 minutes. That's your starting point guard getting backed up by Dennis Smith Jr., who's 1 for 5 with four points and two assists off the bench. So that, that was just sad because quickly was out for this game. As we mentioned, he's going to be out for uh, at least a couple more games. We don't know when he's coming back. And then Frank didn't play until the end. So what did you, what are you thinking about that? That, I mean, I guess we could tell him our takes, how we felt after the first two games before the complete 180 in this third game about this guard rotation. I'll let, I'll let BBD go. You don't have to be as, 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 vulgar as you were going to be, but what were you thinking? Oh, yeah. The the takes are a lot uh, less spicy coming off game three Sunday night, but uh, yeah, I mean, the story of this game again kind of was R.J. Barrett because he was just dreadful and he had about as bad a shooting night as you can have, but he also didn't have the worst shooting night on the team because it was Alfred Payton who played that poorly. You know, Payton going over six, over three from three. Zero total points. Didn't get to the line once. <laughs> Did, am I reading? He only had one assist. That's hilarious. Didn't realize that. Uh, <laughs> and then Dennis Smith was 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 only better because you have to call one of them better than the other. He made a shot, <laughs> so he's the better one. And he got two assists in eighteen minutes. So sure, Dennis Smith was better. It, it was really bad. So then we started to see a little bit more of the. Burks on paper being the the one, uh, which is is kind of working. I mean, we we knew he had that in him a little bit. Um, didn't think we'd have to go to it this soon or to this volume, but we figured we'd be able to throw that out. Um, guard play was brutal, and and RJ was the really bad one. He he finishes. He gets up to ten points at the end by getting a good amount of free throws in, six of eight from the line. So that that was cool but two for 15 overall over for six from three. I think missed his first nine shots. Some uh, the opposite of what he did in the first game, but still got six boards for us. So he found other ways to be useful, but he was really bad. There's a lot of really bad in this game. 
really outside of Randall and Burks and to a, a much lesser extent, I don't know, Max. I don't know. Yeah. Somebody respond to anything from that. I mean, no, Knox was okay. <laughs> I guess the the one guy, I mean, you talked a lot about Barrett, and I, I have nothing really to, to add to that. He was, you said dreadful. I was going to say dreadful, so you kind of like took my word there. It's not a word I use a lot, so I don't know where that came from. But mm. Mitchell Robinson in this game actually like played fairly well. He put up a fight He's against good. Joel Embiid. Um, there were some plays where he just had more energy. Um I noted a, a few plays. I wrote an article for Daily Knicks after the Pacers game, and he was super lackadaisical getting back on defense on several plays. It just seemed like in this game he was more motivated. I think he wanted to to shine against Embiid, who was himself very good in this game. Again, it was another opposing big kind of tearing up the Knicks. He had Embiid had twenty seven points, ten boards um, on ten of twenty shooting. He, I mean, he was he was getting kind of whatever he wanted, and then Ben Simmons was also um, just sort of picking his spots. He had 15 points, six assists, nine boards, um, and, and then the, the Philly was just kind of a balanced attack. But um, back to Mitch, like he ended up with 11 points, nine boards, a couple blocks, and in general, just played with more energy than the first game. Um, I mean, again, Randall finishing with 25 points on 15 shots, like. That's that's really good. He did have the four turnovers again, but that's fine comp- considering his usage and his efficiency. Um, I don't know. Th- this game wasn't all that exciting. Like there wasn't. Y- you're coming into these Knicks games and you want to see a few guys really pop and do stuff. And and Barrett's one of them. This game did not check that box. Mm. The other guys are are Obi Toppin and Emmanuel Quickly. Neither of them even played in this game. So orig- so right off the bat, you're like, this won't be the most interesting game of the year. And then you're just looking for little stuff from from guys like from Mitch, from Knox, from Frank if he gets in. Um, and so, he got he did get those two minutes. Yeah, just just barely. <laughs> so um, I don't know. I actually I felt like the first game was kind of a, a more entertaining watch. This one, not as much. Um, probably the worst of the three games we've played so far. I think. Oh yeah, it was it was a pretty quick downer and. Back going back to RJ briefly. Um, I'll try to limit it because it looked so much better in in game three here. But uh, but even the, even with the shooting line on paper being as bad as it was, like it, it's one thing to if he ends up with those numbers and it looks that bad. But like the shot attempts were fine; they were like smart takes. But like he he really they really weren't smart takes either. He was forcing a lot. He, he was shooting while covered not in like a good position at all to take shots took a few step backs that were like what are you doing um so the shot selection was just as much of an issue as the results for rj in that game it was weird because it's not really the way he he's played in in my watching experience he's been like mostly making the right plays even if the results haven't been there over his first year so just basically reiterating he was disappointing no, it's a good really point. Like, it was like he kind of came into this game thinking, "Oh, I'm the guy now." You know, he's coming off that really hot first game, and he's like, "This is my team. Like, I have to to be the guy, be the engine." And he definitely forced the issue and uh, to 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 very negative results. <laughs> yeah, and one uh, 
Maybe we could call this a positive. I think we will, just for the heck of it. He was six for eight from the free throw line. I mean, this free, his free throw stroke looks pretty good this year. I know he started two for four, and then he hit his last four, which was good. One for two in the first game. So, but I think every game good. he's he's like missed the first free throw of the game that he takes too, which has made it. It doesn't get him off to a great start, but then by the end, the numbers have been fine each game from the stripe. So it's fine. But it, like I, I watch with my dad, and he gets really upset when he misses a misses a free throw, and like I mean, everyone does a little bit because we want him to do that. But the numbers in the end have been fine, so it's whatever. Dads hate when guys miss free throws. That's just a fact. Yeah, that's a rule. Mm. Um, but, mm. yeah, the, the Knicks, I'm looking at the stats here. They had two fast break points in this game compared <laughs> to the Sixers' 13, which isn't that much in and of itself. But, like, two is is just pathetic. It, I think it was the one where, like, RJ was playing up on the ball handler and, and forced a bad pass, and Mitch picked off the, the pass and, and – went full court for a dunk. Um, that play was cool. It was a very cool play. But, you know, w- considering the Knicks' point guard situation to this point, it's not like you're getting a whole bunch of a good looks in the half court, and so you really have to rely on those easy buckets in transition and on fast breaks, like forcing turnovers and, and getting easy looks that way. And th- the two fast break points are just they're not going to get the job done. You know, you finish the game with 89 points, in in 2020 that's just that's like a team scoring 60 back in the 90s you know it's just uh it's far too few points to even expect to compete so um <laughs> yeah I, I don't have a whole lot else to, to add on this game yeah i mean i don't want to dwell on this game either so we'll, 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 yeah, we'll move on to the good stuff enough. alec burks did good again we, the, yeah the knicks moved on back to back second night of a back to back against the Milwaukee Bucks, who were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference last season. Uh, we all are expecting to get dominated. I'll, I'll be honest. We were expecting to to start recording this podcast at halftime with the result already decided, which, you know, the, the result may or may not have already been decided at halftime of this game, but... It wasn't the result we expected. The Knicks, the Knicks won this game, one thirty to one ten. With a, they were up fifteen at halftime. Um, they went on a, like a, a a nice little run to end the half. Usually the the Knicks give up a run to end the half, and then we all just get sad, and then that carries into the third quarter. But the Knicks, instead of of scoring sixteen or fourteen points in the third quarter, the Knicks scored thirty five points to extend their lead by five. So the Knicks are up twenty after three quarters against the Milwaukee Bucks, who are the favorite in the Eastern Conference, I would say. And we're just wondering, when are the wheels going to come off? When are the wheels going to come off? And they just don't come off. The Knicks just win by 20 somehow. Um, the big story of this game was the the aforementioned Alfred Payton, who had gone 0 for 6 with zero points in the previous game. They say he, after the game, he, he stayed late to shoot on practice and just get better and uh, mission mission accomplished. He shoots 12 <laughs> for 16, 3 for 3 from 3, ends up with 27 points, which is just unbelievable from the Alfred Payton we've watched for for last season and the, especially the Alfred Payton we watched for the first two games of this season. Um, joining Alfred Payton 
with with dominant performances where Alec Burkett again naturally with 18 points off the bench on four or five from three with five assists and Julius Randle again eight for 17 from the field 29 points three for five from three 14 rebounds seven assists it's just like I said he's just a different player this year he just looks better and the results are better for the team um so I I don't know I've I, there was a lot there um We'll, we'll let Tom jump in, whatever he wants to hit on of that or, or of anything else. R.J. Barrett looked good as well. Kevin Knox had a few buckets. Frank Nealakeen off the bench. It was, it was all good. That's how you beat the number one team by, by 20 points. Everything has to be good. Yeah, everything was good. And I think that kind of one part of the game that sort of encompasses all those players you mentioned was the, the three-point shooting of the Knicks. They shot... 16 of 27 that's 59.3 percent from three which this is a team that you know the first two games i think i have the numbers here in front of me they shot they were actually 12 of 28 from three in the first game so that's 43 percent that's pretty solid and then the second game they were eight of 29 so that's about 28 percent i i expect more performances like that um just because this is not a team full of of strong perimeter shooters but you know, two of the three games so far, they've actually been quite good. And in this game, they were just—they were simply on fire. Like they hit 16 threes to the Bucks seven. That's that's a 27 point difference from behind the arc, and that's the difference in the game, right? Like you outscore someone from by 27 points from three, and it would be pretty hard to lose, especially when you're like equal on free throws and things of that nature. So, um, I mean, everybody was hitting in this game. You mentioned Burks four of five from three, Nilakina four of four from three. Um, Peyton hit all three of his threes, like you said. Randall three of five from three. Just everybody, you go down the line, except for, frankly, except for R.J. Barrett, who is 0 for four from three and hasn't. I don't think he's hit one since that first game when he made all, all three of his triples. So that's something to look out for. Is, is Barrett's three point stroke because I think that is a really important part of his game to develop. Just just some semblance of a threat from back there. But in general, I mean, there was so much to like in this game. Peyton's just complete aggressiveness i don't think you can really <laughs> I, I do think that this will be this is not you know going out on a limb in any way i think that's going to be an anomaly this season i don't think we can count on peyton to be that kind of point guard for this team but the fact that he even was able to come out here and do that against you know one of the better teams and certainly one of the better defensive teams in the league is just i mean you, you tip your cap i think even if you're the bucks you kind of tip your hat and you're like all right you guys were better than us tonight, and the, and the, the Knicks were in every facet of the game. I think they were better than the Bucks. Showed up ready. And you to mentioned play. you mentioned the Knicks shooting fifty nine percent from three. The Bucks shot eighteen point four percent from three, seven for thirty eight. So you, we got lucky on both that. That's how you pull an upset B- right there. Yeah, BBD. What did you see that you liked or? Or if, did you dislike anything here? I don't, I don't think that's even nothing possible. Really what to did dislike you like? Beyond, nothing really to dislike beyond, like we said, RJ didn't hit a three. I'd like to see him you know, hit one or two every game at least. Um, but that that's fine. Alfred was awesome. Um, we've been probably overall one of the most positive Alfred Payton pods. I think that's fair to say, even though we've all said the whole time he's not a fun watch. But tonight he was a fun watch. And that was weird. Uh, I, w- I do wonder how much of that is just like a positive regression to the mean because he couldn't just keep turning in offers. Um, 
So next game, I'm curious if he actually does like anything like that, which he won't, but that's <laughs> fine. Um, again, I mean, Randall just kind of is doing the same thing every night. He's been like the, besides Burks, probably Randall's been the most consistent player. He turned in 29 points on 17 shot attempts, uh, three of five from three. That's really good out of him. 10 of 11 from the stripe. 13 boards, seven, seven assists and only two turnovers. He was, he's really good. There's not really enough good things we can say about Randall so far this season. I'm trying to remember how quickly we turned on him last year. Cause I'm guessing at the beginning, it probably felt pretty good too. I remember at least his first game was pretty good last year. So hopefully he just keeps doing this instead. And maybe we can actually trade him and some team will actually want him at the line at the deadline. Probably not, but it'd be nice. I mean, look, I think you have to celebrate these these kinds of wins. I, I think they'll be few and far between this season. If you are looking for, for a negative thing, I'll, I'll throw one out there, just that I, I mentioned for the last game, like the guys were looking to see play and perform. You know, I, I listed them before, and, you know, the two rookies didn't play in this game in Toppin and Quickly. And so we're looking for, for Barrett to, to show out, and he was fine. Like, I, I think he really stepped up more towards the end of the game when uh, he was, like, very aggressive getting to the basket when the, you know, the contest was kind of already decided. Um, you're looking at Mitch, who finished the game with just nine points, six boards, um, a block, two steals, only two personal fouls in 35 minutes, and that's great to see. Got up but to he, 35 minutes. Yeah, I mean, that, that's awesome. Um, but he's not exactly, you know, popping, uh, statistically at least. Um, you know, Kevin Knox, three of eight from the field, one of four from three. It, it's, it's a lot of the young guys who you know frankly the guys who played really well are the veterans who maybe we just care less about and i think that's okay every once in a while to just enjoy a Knicks win like not everything has to be about you know development and all the and the future sometimes you can just kind of live in the moment and enjoy a, a big Knicks upset that's a lot of fun so um i i do think that we're going to hope to see these younger guys play better and have more opportunities i i know this has been a very pro frank pod uh for the most part and he did come out with just a ton of energy even before he hit his four threes which kind of came later in the game it seemed but he he just came out with he was full court pressing as soon as he got in he was digging down what on help defense he was getting deflections he was just really bringing a lot of energy and I like that. And it kind of translated to the offensive end, too, where he was aggressive there as well. So that was cool to see. And I, I do wonder whether he will get more minutes because of his performance tonight. Yeah, and Frank's aggression, uh, it, it picked up um, at, in that fourth quarter when he just launched two threes, which which we weren't expecting. Um, earlier in the quarter, I know Mike Breen and, and Clyde had had said that Frank needed to shoot the ball because he got into the lane. He had an open th- open floater uh, jumper inside the free throw line. He just passed it up and kicked it out to Randall, who traveled. Um, so that was just a turnover instead of a, an open two-point look for him. And then, you know, after that, he he ball got swung to him. He hit an open three. Then he had a, you know, he, he got three on the elbow. Uh, triple threat position, and he just shot a three with a man on him. 
and, and hit it. And that was when the game ended pretty much. That's when the books just had to give up. Um, and Frank going four for four from three, we're, we're not used to that. We like his shooting stroke. It looks good. We've always thought he's got shooting shooter potential, but it's been inconsistent. So hopefully he can make this, this more consistent. He didn't score in either of the first two games, I don't think. I can verify that pretty quickly. One point, actually, in the first game against the Pacers. Zero points in that second game. So so the four for four from three was a welcome addition. And then with Knox, um, he had a couple nice drives to the lane during the during the Knicks run in that fourth quarter. So um we still don't know what we're seeing from Knox. He he he's fine. He hasn't we don't hate him. Yeah. It like uh, it, but, I would say it looks better than the stats have dictated. The the stat lines have been rather nondescript, but he like looks like an adequate NBA player. Yeah, he looks more comfortable out there for sure. Like yeah. it doesn't look like the game is just kind of zooming around him while he's just like stuck in cement, you know, very indecisive. Yeah, just trying I to think. figure out something to do. Exactly. He's he's been more decisive and and he's been grabbing rebounds, pushing the ball. He's been helping out. He's been making some defensive rotations, which I I noted uh, on Twitter today and you know, he's he's actually looked like something like an NBA player, which is not something we could have said for much of last season. So, you know, that's something you hope for and expect out of a, out of a kid who's, you know, was he 21 years old now, something like that. Um, he has a lot of room to grow. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that there's still some hope there. And, and overall, I mean, the, I just think coming out of this, the first three games, I don't know. Are you guys feeling hopeful? You feeling okay? Like, What's the the general mood? I don't think we expected like a much better record than one in three. These were three very good teams we were playing. So um, I, I'd say that like record wise, we're probably right where we would have hoped to be. And uh, and as far as the way the team looks, like the point guard situation will still be precarious going forward and something we have to monitor very closely. But other than that, like big picture stuff, R.J. Barrett has looked the part of a of a guy who's trying to be a, a number one option and he's been a, a strong passer. He's looked good as a ball handler and he's been aggressive and, and had better touch around the rim. So those are like kind of big picture stuff. And, and I think we're just going to hope to to see more development and just a lot more play from the rookies once they get healthy. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, and the Knicks, they already got one more win than I thought they would have gotten in this stretch. So that's cool. In general, you would have, like we said, you would have you would like for the young guys to be more of the reason they win a game like this, but that's fine. They they were not detriments to the win. They contributed to the win. They weren't the reason. Uh, can't have everything. They won a game and like nobody was really bad. So I'll take that win. Big picture. I'm, I'm nothing changes in my head. Yeah, and you know, there's some some good stuff to take away from the first couple games too. I know they both they ended up losing by 14 and 20, but in the first half of those games, they were good. The Knicks, like I said, they were winning by five at halftime against the Pacers and losing by five at halftime against the 76ers, and they just looked good until until everything fell apart. I don't know, you have to play the entire basketball game, but you know, if, if you're looking for good stuff. They were good in the first half of the first two games, and they were good in the entire game in this third game. So, this game, the first quarter, was the worst of the three quarters where the score mattered. Is one way to look at it. So that's different than the yeah. first two games. Yeah, and we're still winning thirty to twenty-seven after the first quarter of the Bucks game. 
Yeah. They're leading after the first. They won the other the second and third quarter by more points than that each time. And the fourth quarter to be emptied the bench, so don't care. Yeah, the Bucks gave up pretty early, which was nice of them. <laughs> they, I think they cleared out the bench for the Mets a little over seven minutes left. Which you don't you don't see, but I think they were on the second night of a back to back as well. So they played not the second night of a back to back, but they had they did just beat Golden State the other night and they have a back to back with Miami later this week, so starting Tuesday. So I'm guessing they want to just be ready for that. Well, I mean, Giannis I came out like they were going back to back. I mean, Giannis came out and gave it all he got. Like he was, he was really aggressive and involved. He had 27 points, 13 boards, five assists, three steals. Like he was good. He was, he was just really good in this game. He got to the line 13 times, hit eight of them. Um, and the Knicks were able to weather that. You know, it, it's that's really great to see. Chris Middleton, their their second best best player, also had 22 points on eight of 18 shooting. Um, hit all five of his free throws. Like their their two best players were kind of where you expect them to be statistically, at least. And it was more like everybody else really struggled, and and a lot of that was that. I mean, the Knicks defense has been actually kind of solid, um, certainly at points. So I'm ex- I'm really curious to see how they're going to look uh, in the week coming up. And in the yeah. week coming up, they got a three game road trip at Cleveland, at Toronto, in Tampa, and at Indiana. So that's the week ahead. A little early on that, but I was looking at the schedule. I don't think you're early at all. I mean, do we have any other points we want to hit on this game, or should we just give our predictions for next week? Bad enough. Yeah, I know we wanted to to keep it short and sweet for you guys. It's getting a little late over here. Um, But... I don't know. I think we hit a lot of the, the big picture topics, the whole point guard situation. And um, I, I think we would have more to talk about had the rookies played more. Cause I think that quickly being such an important part of this team is not something I expected. I mean, not certainly this. not when he was drafted like this soon, it's just, it's pretty shocking kind of how, how crucial he is to as a, as a ball handler who can, who can shoot and, you know, get in, to the teeth of the defense like he's he's super important to this what this team does and then Obi Toppin I'm just fascinated to see he's unquestionably a very talented offensive player he has already made some really nice passes he's he, you know I think I, I may have compared his game a little bit to like Blake Griffin kind of like late career Blake Griffin and um like just last night Blake Griffin took like 16 shots and maybe like 12 of them were threes or something like that like his game has just completely gone behind the arc where he used to be this above the rim guy um so i don't know I, i'm wondering if Toppin and blake griffin is also a very strong passer as Toppin has shown he can be too so i'm wondering if there's anything to that comparison but the other thing is that blake was a monster rebounder and just so strong and, and like embraced contact and i'm just not really seeing that from top and you know he's not really like lowering his shoulder and bulldozing people like like Blake Griffin did or, or does still actually so um I don't know I, I'm very curious to see our young guys once once they're back with the team and, and playing minutes because that's the whole future of the team that's what we're looking for this season agreed 
And it's unfortunate we're going to have to wait um, for an, a to-be-determined amount of time until we f- to see those guys. But for now, we'll, we'll just watch RJ and we'll watch Frank and Mitch and see what see what happens. So for next week, um, who are, what are predictions? Like VVD said, Cleveland, Toronto, Indiana. We already lost Indiana once. I'll go first. I'll say two and one. I'm, but that, I'm probably just riding high off of this Bucks win. I think we beat Cleveland, even though they're they're three and zero right now, I believe. And we beat Indiana, a revenge game. We can lose the Raptors. We'll be three and three after that. Well, for me, I uh, I was talking to to my brother about predicting like the record after the first ten ish games of the year. And I thought they would get one of the Pacers games, and they already didn't get one of them. So I'll predict they get this next Pacer game. Uh, and then I thought they would win the Cleveland game, but they got they just got this Milwaukee game, and Cleveland's three and zero. They've beaten three good teams, and they're just like all doing well. So I'll, I've, I've sw- uh, switched on that. I think we do end up losing that one, or we end up winning that one because they're playing well. It's funny if we're the spoiler for that, uh, but for prediction sake i'll say one and two and if we need a specific i'll say the pacer game is the one we take and it looks like the cleveland toronto games will have fans which is a different conversation but we haven't i don't think we've seen a game with fans at it yet no that's a good point and yeah we should say all three of these games are away um so a little road trip coming up four road games in a row um but yeah just three until our next pod i think you said one and two BBD. So does that mean I can't say one and two? That used to be the rule. I don't know if we carried that over to this year. I can switch to zero well, and me, three if you want. Well, you could say one and two if uh, if it's a, but you got to pick it if a different one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think BBD said they were going to take that they were going to beat the. Cavs? Pacers. Okay. No, he said Pacers. He did say Pacers. Before the okay. season, I thought we would beat the Cavs. Yeah. See, yeah, and the thing is... I like, talked I'm, myself I'm into of, and out of beating the Cavs. Um, I'm expecting a letdown from the Cavs. Like, they're not going to just keep... You know, at some point, they're going to come back down to earth. And so I could I could actually see the Knicks beating Cleveland in Cleveland on Tuesday. Um, but... Because I'd have to, because of the whole the rules, and I know the rules, and that's the rules. I'm gonna say zero and three. The and and that's okay because I think as long as we see some encouraging stuff from the young guys, and I know the whole fade for Cade Cunningham thing is a thing. So, um, you know, we we're still kind of hoping for we're still doing the tankathon thing. Um, yeah, I still look. I still look, and and also the Mavericks losing. You know, we yeah. have to keep looking at them and and seeing where that pick might be because they haven't looked so good. So yeah, there's um, a decent chance. I would be shocked it. if that picks in the lottery. That would be very shocking. But it could be not like guaranteed to be a high twenties pick. You know, it's a weird season. Anything yeah. can happen. Like you have no idea. Like Porzingis is going to be out until what mid January. So it's some about the gate all of a sudden. They're like fifteen percent through the season and below 500 and they get Porzingis back and do well but yeah that's so give me give me 0 and 3 and and if they do win I can be pleasantly surprised and happy to be wrong that's what I wanted to say before I started talking and remembered the pacer thing good I, pr- I appreciate 
your your choices. Um, I'll just point out that the Cavs are three and zero with wins over the Hornets, Pistons, and the the Embiidless pay or Embiidless Seventy Sixers. So I, another part of me is just like the Cavs aren't going to be four and zero, and we're the fourth team that they play. Therefore, we have to beat them. It just makes sense in my yeah. Head. That does I'd, make a lot of sense. I believe that, that's really fair. I believe I believe the Knicks being two and two before I believe the Cavs being four and zero. Oh. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll be back next week. Thanks, thanks for listening. I, I think we've uh, had uh, well, a good opener. I think we do got to get before we head out of here. We do got to talk a little bit about what else is on. I think just a little bit. Oh, before. Before we head out, we got to talk about what else is on. Obviously, after those first two games, we were we were pretty much ready to talk exclusively about BBD's super fire takes, and then move on to what else is on for the second half of the episode. But I don't I don't know what you guys have been watching. I know I watched over the weekend. I watched Soul, which was the new movie that came out on Disney Plus, new Pixar film, and I watched Wonder Woman eighty four, uh, the new Wonder Woman film. So. I don't know if either of you watched either of those, but those were the hot, hot ticket items. What was the What was Christmas. the first one you watched? Soul, the the new Disney Pixar movie on Disney. Oh, was that? Oh, I saw the trailer for that. I think or a clip leak from that. Yeah, it was it Jamie looked, Fox. Uh, emotional. Jamie Fox and Tina Fey, and it was emotional. Yeah, it was a good film. Good film. Um, second film I mentioned was Wonder Woman eighty four. Uh, not as good of a film. I've only seen like half of the first one, but so this Wonder Woman 84 came out in theaters and it also released on HBO Max for 30 days for free. Mm. And my dad pays for HBO Max, so he was in insisted that we watch it. And me and my brother were like, have you ever seen the first one? And he was like, no. And we're like, why do you want to watch this movie so badly then? <laughs> He's like, because I pay for HBO Max. And we're... Like, we honestly were like, no, we're not going to do that. And we just watched Soul the first night. And then the next day he insisted again. And we were like, Fine. okay, I guess, I guess we'll watch it. Then we watched it. It was two and a half hours long, and he didn't even like it. Did you like it? It wasn't that good. I mean, it was okay. I didn't hate it. No. The internet, if you look on the internet, yeah, they all hate it. I was going to say, on, on the it. internet, I've only heard bad things, but that doesn't mean anything. It was fine. What is, I mean, what is I can already tomatoes. tell you it's not the type of movie I'd like. So, yeah, I mean, I don't. I haven't watched me. many of of the superhero movies. Yeah. I think I've saw Lost Man or Ant. I saw Ant Man and Iron Man. Yeah, one. seen the Ant That's Man about movies. It. Yeah, when you lead with That's Lost it. Man, it definitely indicates you have not <laughs> seen many of these movies. The the Marvel heads in our audience are going nuts right now. But I like you haven't seen many of those. Um, I. I did see Thor Ragnarok, which I thought was really good. I was like, "Oh, okay, I get it. People, people like these movies, and that that makes a lot of sense because it was why people like them. It was like uh, action packed, but it was also super funny. And Jeff Goldblum was in it, being funny. And you're like, "Is it? I don't know. It was. A, we talk a lot about how kind of comedies, comedy movies are are going away. And Thor Ragnarok was one of the funniest movies I saw that like that year. And I was like, "That's weird. You know, it's a Marvel flick, but." That's kind of where we are. Um, I have not seen Wonder Woman, haven't seen Wonder Woman 84, but I also haven't seen Wasp Man or any of those, so um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What ha- uh, What have you watched? 
<laughs> I watched. Yeah, what else is on for you, Tom? What's on your TV over there? So I haven't been watching a whole lot of television, but because because I've been watching so much Nick's, but. Sorry. My wife and I did watch a Christmas movie, a movie that came out in 2020 on on Hulu called Happiest Season. Are you guys familiar with this? I'm not. It's kind of a rom-com. It's it's a rom-com film. Um, it stars Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis, who you might know from um, uh, Black Mirror. She was on a, an episode of Black Mirror that, that was like, Pretty mind blowing, but there's also Recognize Daniel Levy. Face. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll just read the the synopsis of it really quickly. A young woman with a plan to propose to her girlfriend while at her family's annual holiday party discovers her partner hasn't yet come out to her conservative parents. There's some meet the parents vibes to it. Um, like there, there's Aubrey Plaza is in it. It was just absolutely delightful. I I love her. Um, so she's just a fun hang. Um, I don't know. It was. It was a it was a fine movie. It was a Christmas movie. It was a rom com. Like it was kind of what you'd expect, but um, kind of from like a, a different, a little different perspective, I guess. But uh, I don't know. It probably won't be make like cracking the Christmas annual you know rotation. It's it's not like Home Alone or anything. But um, yeah, glad it was, you it gave was, it, was, it the, the one watch. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, that's good. Well, in the superhero realm. I haven't watched this yet, but I've had uh, The Dark Knight penciled in as a, as a movie I'm going to watch soon, which I've seen already when it like came out, but it's been a while because <laughs> I can't give details. But recently, uh, for Talking Baseball, we did we did a, a little thing with Jack Flaherty, pitcher for the Cardinals flex, uh, and the subject of The Dark Knight came up, and we were talking about it. And I was like, I haven't seen that since, since it came out, and I was like 12. So, oh, I'm gonna rewatch that at some the point. Dark Knight's soon. really good. Yeah, like the yeah. Heath Ledger one. Like, yeah, you, yeah. Like this, this movie, everybody yeah. knows this. Like, everyone can recite most of the lines to this movie. Yeah, I, know, I don't even well, put I, like, it in know the, the movie. I just haven't seen it in a while. <laughs> I I don't even put it in like the superhero realm. I think it's just like a Christopher yeah, Nolan like movie. It's its own thing. Yeah, but it reminded me that I haven't watched that yet. As far as what I have watched, uh, I rewatched season three of The Handmaid's Tale. Because uh, I realized I couldn't remember exactly what happened in it because it's been like over a year since it came out, so I rewatched that, liked it. Uh, but the, but because they're coming out, they're coming out with a new season. Yeah, right? I've I never think, watched Handsmaid's Tale, but yeah, I, I like that show a lot. And I Good saw, show. I think, like end of twenty twenty one, they're gonna drop season four because they were, I think, it just started producing it when COVID, uh, hit. And now they're like just starting to film again and stuff. I think so. That's coming. As far as what I have been watching, uh, the other stuff I've been watching, I'm watching a lot of Gilmore Girls. I finished the first season yesterday. Uh, hadn't watched it before. And I just kind of watched it because I thought it would be funny if I watched it. But I'm all in. I'm really enjoying it. So you started watching it as like a joke. Like it'd be kind of funny if I just like yeah, watched like it, it. Like I thought it was. Yeah. Well, it was. The truth is, it was uh, it was like twelve thirty, and I was trying to go to sleep. I was like, "All right, let's throw something on." Ooh, I haven't watched this, and I know people that follow me have tweeted not good things about this show, and I, and I know it's crit- it's critically acclaimed. Uh, I don't know, but if, if there's like an actual definition you got to fulfill to be critically acclaimed, I'm just saying that. But 
So I was like, all right, I'll throw this on and go to sleep. And then I was, I was like, oh, I love every character in this show. So I'm all in. I'm going to watch all seven seasons. It, and it being a sitcom with 42 minute episodes is pretty frustrating because it's going to take me a while. But it's long. It's where I'm at. It's long. Um, I finished Shit's Sorry. Creek. I forget if I told you guys that. I did finish the the series Shit's Shit's Creek. Really, oh, yeah. really strong stuff. That. Really good. That's a good. It's a good series. I've uh, I've enjoyed that that series a lot. I watched the and first I'll, I'll three also... seasons of it, but then I think the fourth hadn't gotten to Netflix yet, and I just never went back. But I know I need to. Yeah, that's what happens. I mean, is that it? I feel like that's that was a good, good. What else is on segment? That was pretty strong. Probably our best one. Yeah, <laughs> I think we'll we'll be coming back with recommendations or of what to watch and what not to watch. Hopefully, by next um, week, I'll finish season. season two of Gilmore Girls and can uh, tell you more about that. For those of you who haven't seen yeah. season two of the show, where season one came out in the year two thousand. And on the off chance that the Knicks become dominant and continue their ways of of tonight against the Milwaukee Bucks, we may even be able to cut this segment entirely. Yeah, trim but, trimming the fat on it a little bit. But that's that's to be seen. I think it's more likely that this segment takes over the entire show. So we're just we're just yeah. setting you guys Give it up a month. just so you know. <laughs> So you're ready to to know what you're getting into when you start listening. Typically, but. the next season ends around Christmas, um, but that uh, we're already past that, and it just started. So give it like another month. Yeah, when they're four and twenty, and they fire their coach, that's when the season ends and the podcast goes off the rails. But hey, if you're still listening to this, you know, leave us a five star review. Le- leave you a probably comment. Liked Tell it us if you listened this far. Tell us what you're watching. I want to give us a recommendation. What should we be watching? Like, I need Rex. We clearly do. Listen to what we just all said. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We're we're gonna need your recommendations, and thank you all for listening. Um, it's it's good to be back with the Knicks. Knicks to be be back playing again. It's been a long time uh, since March, since the lockdown, and the Knicks stopped playing basketball. But we're back. We're gonna have a good season and. Thanks for listening. Let's go, Knicks. Let's go, Knicks. Knicks tape.